So he just kissed you? While holding a carton of eggs? <laughs> Pretty much. Okay. I still can't believe you have two guys fighting over you. <laughs> so who do you want to be your egg popsicle daddy? I mean, Ben is amazing. He's a good person, and he's sweet, and he's compassionate. But, you know, Ryan and I have this thing, and I never really took him seriously, but... He's really been showing up for me lately. Are we talking about egg popsicle partner or a boyfriend? Both. Neither. I don't know. I wish you guys were here to help me deal with this. Well, here's an idea. Why don't you come to Paris? <laughs> sure. The girl who can't even afford to talk to her fertility doctor is just going to summon her golden magical Learjet and fly to Europe. Well, it's not that magical, but I do have a ton of airline miles. Yeah, and I slept with a pilot once. How does that help us? It doesn't. I just remembered and wanted to share. Okay. He let me wear his hat. <laughs> I still have it. But seriously, I have an extra bed in my room. It's not the same without you. You really think you could swing it? If you're comfortable flying out of Newark. And basically sleeping in Oliver's overflow closet. Okay. I guess I'm coming to Paris. Live from Paris, France, it's The Bold Talk. I am Jeremy Rodriguez. And I'm Sam Sapp. This week, we are discussing Season 2, Episode 10, We'll Always Have Paris. Sutton's professional dreams come true when she jets off to Paris for Fashion Week, but while there, she gains a new perspective on her situation. Jane moves forward with her fertility plan until she learns surprising news about her options and is faced with Ben and Pinstripe's different solutions. And Kat faces pressure from Jacqueline to make their Paris party a success while attempting to reset her relationship with Adina. This episode was written by Annie Wiseman and was directed by Tara Nicole Ware. Alright, Sam, this is the season fucking finale. This is it. This is it. This is it just just in general this is it for the podcast this is it for the show for season two i'm like is this like an attempt to like break up with me because this isn't really cool <laughs> just dropping hints <laughs> like right as we record like okay all right i say <laughs> sorry so let's talk a little bit about like what's been going on with these ladies in paris do you want to start with Sutton? yeah let's do it all right cool so Sutton is going to Paris, but before she's leaving, she finds out that Richard's dad died and his wake is the day before she heads to Paris for Fashion Week. So she brings Jane along with her, which I mean, just a side note, I just always feel like they're so supportive. They always they're go to everything friends. together. It's just they're always so great about that. But when she's there, she, of course, you know, says hello to Richard and um, expresses her condolences. But then he does this whole speech about essentially living in the moment and not wasting time and being with what makes you happiest and doing what makes you happy. And he's looking at Jessica, his girlfriend, the whole time. So Sutton's Sutton's feeling a little down. Yeah, Jane asks, is he talking about you? And then Sutton's like, no, he's talking about Jessica. <laughs> so that, I don't know how else to end that, but so yeah, that was just a sad moment. Um, for it was. And of course, Jessica also makes the comment. She talks about our guest, like it's her and Richard's guest. And honestly, I'm just like, who the fuck are you, Jessica? Like, you know, th this is not your... <sighs> I'm sorry. The two of you have been dating for like how long at this point? Like, no, don't act like you know. This is like a funeral that the two of you are raging together. Like, no, this is definitely Richard's moment, and you are just a guest in this particular moment. So, no, you are a guest here. This is not like you and Richard's guest. This, the, you are a guest.
guess who in this situation. Okay. All right. Jeremy has <laughs> strong feelings here. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not going to lie. I didn't hate it that much. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Just because I, I do kind of feel like when you're dating someone who loses somebody close to them, I just feel like you kind of take on that role as well. Just because you're being so like a support system for them, so I don't know. I didn't. I didn't think of it as that big of a deal. Uh, no, I, I agree with the whole thing about being a support system. I, I just don't like how she took like an authority position on the matter. Yeah, but like you said, it was probably how Sutton perceived her saying that. What do you right? mean? Remember you said that like they portray the, from the point of view of the character in the. Scene. Oh yeah, so, I saw like, that a few episodes ago. Yeah. So I feel like Sutton did that there <laughs> Sutton did that Sutton did that to us <laughs> we're seeing the scene from Sutton's perspective okay I get it you know I don't know I guess I could see why you would think it sounded weird though also I feel like saying our guest is a weird term for awake period yeah that's true now maybe other people can weigh in on this but I have no I've never heard of that <laughs> it's like do you really call them your guests like is it really like I don't know is it a party like I don't <laughs> Yeah, it implies, like, a social gathering, which I guess technically it is, but it just doesn't seem right to me. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) But nonetheless, she goes to Paris, feeling slightly down about the situation. But she's feeling very aroused by Paris. Oh, yes. Even the dogs are beautiful. I just thought that was adorable. But um, let's transition to the um, to the day at Scarlet um, w- w- over with Jane and Alex. Sage, who was like the ultimate like gossip person, she ends up finding out that a designer dropped off some sketches for a rush job. And we're like, oh my god, what is the rush job? And Jane like assumes that it's a, that it's engagement reigns. And Sutton receives a phone call and drops a notebook filled with important notes into a bathtub. Really bad time timing yeah exactly and i just gotta say Sutton also like right after she drops the notebook she tells shane oh my god i gotta go and then she sets the phone right next to the bathroom too and i'm just like i'm sorry but like did you learn your lesson here evidently no <laughs> thankfully the phone does not fall into the bathroom but come on you know <laughs> that would have just been icing on the cake in that moment i just had to say something about that whatever yes. um <laughs> that notebook had a bunch of notes about like what um what pieces Oliver picked for I guess I guess it's a fashion show I guess it's for that party later in the night I don't really know like what yeah I don't really know but it's like <laughs> it's fifty different pieces yeah that she will now have to try and recall from memory yeah and she did yes while adding in her own yeah she added in her own there was a piece that um Oliver initially turned out it was like a metallic type dress yes. Because Oliver said no, we're not doing metallics this season. Yeah, I like metallic. What's wrong with metallic? I do like metallic. But Oliver ended up like trusting her judgment though, and ended up saying, "Okay, you know what? Let's do it." Because Sutton's like, "We got to take risks. No risk, no reward." But then Sutton and Oliver have a little alone time together, and what happens there? Essentially, Sutton breaks down and says she's upset to hear that Richard has moved on, but because she, you know, still loves him and wants to be with him, and basically oh my god why am i blanking on what his name is oliver oliver oh my god (laughs) so sorry Um, how dare you (laughs) i don't know what's wrong with me i don't know what i was even thinking his name was i just for the record we are recording at like 10 o'clock at night on a friday and it's been a long week for both of us i've been up since 4 30 a.m it's fine it's totally fine i've got this we're allowed (laughs) we we have the energy we just you know we're, we're a little 
a little little off. Little just, just a tad. It's, it's, it's fine. It's, it's honestly, it's going to keep things interesting. Even more interesting, because, you know, this is always interesting. <laughs> but anyway, go on, <laughs> Oliver. So, so Oliver tells Sutton to follow her heart, really. She sa- he says to go to New York and tell Richard how she feels because you don't want to miss out on the chance at love. And he also said never to wear white after Labor Day. True. That's important to note. <sighs> Oliver was just so supportive in this moment. I just loved it so much. It was a really nice moment. I do have to question, though, whether or not I agree with the advice. Oh, boy. Why? Because I don't... <sighs> Sutton, oh, no. Sutton had her chance to tell Richard how she felt about him, and she chose to go in a different direction, and it just seemed like she really only missed him because she couldn't have him anymore, and now, I just don't, I don't know, it's kind of like, mind your own business, like, leave me alone, you've already let me go, I've moved on from that. I didn't take it like that, I took it more so, like, so, I, I just feel like Sutton was overall just insecure about, like, her career, she thought people would, like, try to judge her. Because of, like, you know, who she was sleeping with and whatnot. But then, like, as we saw, like, I mean, you know, we talked about this over and over again this season. Like, we just kept seeing Sutton kick ass every single week. She always succeeded, you know, in everything career-related. So, you know, I feel like this entire season, she just essentially realized, like, you know what? I am a a badass. I can do this. So why does it fucking matter who I sleep with? Or who I'm in a relationship with? She just had, like, a sudden epiphany in this episode. Like, you know what? I am actually good at what I do. You know, she even said that. And even Oliver, like, you know, reaffirmed that for her as well. Like, you are good at what you do. You have your own talents. But he did say, like, it was the right decision for you to to leave Richard, because, you know, people in the fashion industry are very judgy, but at the end of the day, hey, you're talented. Yeah. And you shouldn't give up on love right now. So essentially, I think, like, you know, her giving up on Richard was just, like, a little temporary, like, setback. She just had to do it, like, for now. She had to do what was best for her in that current moment. But right now, now that she realizes, like, hey, like, I am good at what I do, now it's time to open myself up for love. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) Did I change your mind at all? You've definitely made me think. <laughs> that that is a very valid argument. Well, I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, that was that was good. Oh. I'm pretty oh. much speechless. <laughs> All right, it only took it only took eleven episodes to make you speechless. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, normally it takes me twelve. So I mean, you're doing a great job. All right, I succeeded. I succeeded on a new level here. I'm excited. All right. <laughs> well. <laughs> okay, but then what happens as she decides to go to New York? so excited about this so she ends up starting to walk out jade ends up walking her to the car and then they were about to take a selfie and then all of a sudden richard comes out and he's like do you need help taking that so he came to paris for her i think that's the only reason i was okay with this whole thing (laughs) why because i would have hated it if she actually flew to him and he had never had any intention of coming to her yeah i I like that yeah i get what you're saying i like that too how it was like definitely like a mutual yeah thing because it's like oh like we both came for the other person you know right and they were both willing to really put themselves out there and be vulnerable to be rejected that's, mm-hmm. you know, so a lot of times we see that and it's just very one-sided. Like, it wasn't like this big, like, sweeping romantic gesture where, like, Sutton, like, flew out to Richard and was like, I love you. I should have never given <laughs> given up on you. So now it was, like, a mutual. The two of them, like, literally met each other halfway. Yeah, I would have also hated it if he actually proposed, but it turns out that the ring he had custom designed was 
Was it supposed to be like a copy of his father's ring? Yeah, it, no, it was um, it was cufflinks. He had them made oh, out of his um, cufflinks. Okay. Yeah, he had them made out of his father's class rings. Oh, that's what it was. Oh, I just gotta give a little shout out to like Jane seeing um, seeing Richard and Sutton kiss. Jane's just like, I- I'm just, I'm-, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. That was really funny. <laughs> that was a really funny moment. <laughs> it's like, oh it's like, what do you, it's like, what do you do in that moment where it's just like, oh my god, big sweeping romantic gesture. I'm, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. <laughs> well, I feel like a lot of times in movies and TV shows, it's they like don't explain what happens to the, to the people who are nearby. <laughs> That just like suddenly it's just the two of them in that moment. It's like, well, what about the people who were like literally in the middle of a conversation with you before this happened? Exactly. Thank you, Jane, for bringing that to light. So, what did I need to ask you, Sam? Okay. Have you changed your mind about Suttered? I would not say I've changed my mind. I would say that I'm open to the idea of changing my mind. Okay. Yeah. I'm being stubborn here, but I just, I need to see Richard in action, so to speak. I need to see him now that he's committed to being in a real relationship where they're actually, you know, known to the rest of the world. Season three, baby! Let's just hope they last and they don't just break up in one episode or anything like that. (laughs) Oh my god, that could totally happen too. Uh, Alright, we'll say. But I just love that moment. Like, I was just, like, such, like, a sucker for, like, that moment. I remember, like, when I first, when I watched it for the first time last summer, when I saw Richard get out of that car, I literally squealed. I was like, oh my god, I can't believe this is happening! As I was watching it, I was literally picturing, like, you reacting to it. (laughs) I was like, I know Jeremy would love this. I'm just a sucker for like a good, like big romantic gesture. What can I say? Yeah, you, you are, know, you are. I'm I'm just waiting for my own Richard Hunter to like fly to Paris to meet me and get out of a car and say like, "Hey, do you need help taking your selfie?" That'll happen, Jeremy. I mean, I can also be the Richard Hunter as well and fly out to Paris and say, "Hey, do you need help taking that selfie?" I like that better. Yeah, go with that. So now that we are done talking about Sutton, should we move on to cats? Yes. All right. Let's get in that. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, let's get. Let's just get right on up in there. <laughs> well, who knows if anybody's going to be getting up in anything after this episode? Mm. All right, all right. Just start us off. Tell us what happens. <laughs> so, cat storyline kicks off when Adina gets a call from her immigration lawyer, and we find out that Adina is going to get her visa. Woo! So, in order, in order to get it, she has to leave the country and re-enter it. Do you know? that works by the way i meant to do research and i just completely forgot no i actually am not familiar with that okay great but it's, <laughs> but it's kind of interesting i assume that it has validity if they yes, put it on the show but she can like leave the country and head to any other country like it, she doesn't have to go to like her home country i guess not i think she just has to not be in america okay when she comes back to america that's the start of this then the start of the visa is when she enters america again that's so strange. Yeah. I think it's just like a formality thing, but there's no other way to do it. I guess some people, like she said, they just like go to Canada. But it turns out that her girlfriend is conveniently going to Paris, so like, why not go with her? Yeah, seriously. Plus, we know um, Adina used to live there. And we get to finally meet Coco. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll get to that. So Adina and Kat are um, walking the streets, they meet an art critic, and... The critic is like, oh, like, why haven't I seen any of your work? It turns out Adina's taking a little bit of a break. And, you know, she hasn't been featured in her ex, Coco's Gallery. 
So Kat ends up meeting up with Coco herself. Kat really just goes for it, doesn't she? <laughs> I know. Like I'm I'm sometimes I'm just like, girl, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I don't know. I got respect for it. I'll say that. But it's it, some of her her moves are really bold. <laughs> right. What do you think about that? I, I don't know. I don't think just because like it's in a foreign country, they've never met. Like, I don't know. I just think it's kind of it's an odd thing to do. I I know she's coming from a good place and she's asking out of concern. Yeah. Still. The one that I did like, though, about this whole entire thing, and I think that's what I was just too distracted by, the fact that I love this so much. I love that Coco didn't seem to be bitter with Kat about how, like, her relationship ended with Adina. Yeah. Yeah, she doesn't seem to, like, hold Kat accountable for anything. She just, you know, this is obviously something between her and Adina, so it's not like... They're not competing against each other in this aspect, you know? That's true. Yeah, that is true, actually. It was pretty amicable to, you know. Yeah, it's obviously, like, awkward, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I don't know how that couldn't really be awkward. Because <laughs> it's like, wow, my ex-girlfriend's new girlfriend is reaching out to me to talk to me because she's concerned about my ex-girlfriend. I think it's just weird because she's from another country and you're just you're just in her country <laughs> and like, hey, hi, Coco, bonjour, just want you to know, like, I'm in town, let's chit-chat. <laughs> I love lesbian culture for that reason. I just gotta say that. Um, yeah, it's honestly, I, I want to say goals, but I don't think that emotionally I'm equipped to be that way about things. Like, just so nonchalant about other people's history. Like, not their actual history, but just the people, like, actually being confronted by them. I don't know. Lesbians do rock. Lesbian culture is the way to go. Just queer women in general. Like, you know, just getting together and having that sense of camaraderie. I think it's absolutely amazing. Like, I, f- I feel like queer men don't necessarily have that. And straight people really. Struggle. Straight people definitely don't have it at all. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Kat ends up asking Coco. She's like, um, are you not showing Adina's work because of me? And then Coco's like, no, I would love to show Adina's work, but she hasn't produced any. She hasn't produced anything she's proud of, essentially, since she moved to New York. Which I wonder, like, was she directing that comment toward Kat in, like, a backhanded sort of way? I don't know if she was doing that or if she was just realizing in that moment that that's what it was. It seemed a little backhanded. I don't know. Do you think it was backhanded? <laughs> I don't I don't know, honestly. I thought, like, the way she said it, again, maybe, like, this is, like, from Kat's perspective, because, you know, obviously Kat is, internal, is probably internalizing a lot of that stuff, so I feel like Coco was just, like, a plot device, essentially, to voice that to Kat. Oh, yeah, that's a good good term. Yes. Because, you know, there, there was no other, you know, there had to be a character to say that out loud, you know? Right. She had to come to that conclusion somehow. Yeah, exactly. So, like, maybe, like, th- this could be, like, Kat's way of, like, internalizing it a little bit, so. Mm-hmm. That's a good so, yeah. point. Yeah. Alright, cool. I'm, Damn, I'm Jeremy, you're just that. killing it this episode. <laughs> I mean, I, normally, I'm like, you know, I'm, like, ready with the rebuttals. <laughs> I'm, like, genuinely, like, nice. Maybe I just, like, work better at night, okay? Yeah, where where I struggle the most, you excel the most, and vice versa. I wonder if, like, our listeners can tell, like, okay, like, they obviously recorded this at night, they recorded this in the morning. Yeah, you can tell that, uh, that this is recorded in the morning because Jeremy's off, or, like, <laughs> Sam's not arguing, it must be nighttime. <laughs> Oh my god. Anyway, Kat ends up confronting Adina, and um, Adina pretty much indirectly said that she, that, you know, she had, like, more time to produce work during when their relationship was open. 
Right, and she and Coco, she produced a lot of work when she was dating Coco because she was traveling so much. Yeah, and she didn't see Coco very often, yeah. Uh, so, pretty much, Kat has been the opposite of a muse. Yeah, that was really sad. I know. Because I was like, I totally can feel your pain right now, and like, I could see myself in that situation. I don't know. I know, it's like you're not inspiring, like, you know, the person who's supposed to be the love of your life to be a better artist or anything like that. Yeah, Adina is just such a free spirit. Like, the idea of being tied to anything is, like, difficult for her, it appears. Yeah, honestly. I feel like, you know, maybe being in a relationship for Adina could potentially, like, dim her light a little bit. Yeah. Like, she's being held back. At least in the traditional sense. You know, maybe she could find a different relationship type that works for her. Yeah. I'm trying to wonder, I wonder if Adina's had, like, a really, you know, she's obviously dated a lot of women, but has she had a relationship that's, like, on the same level as her relationship with Kat? Yeah, I don't know. No, there, I'm curious. There are so makes... many unanswered questions. <laughs> that makes me a little bit sad, though. I'm like, hmm. A lot of Katina shippers are, like, really upset about, like, how this relationship is playing out, but, like, I, I kind of understand this. How it's this is organically forming, you know? Well, I think it makes sense, and I think that it would kind of be lame for Kat's first queer relationship to be the one that sticks. Just because, one, it's a bit cliche, generally speaking. But it also, you know, two, it's it's not as interesting for, like, character development and, and progression. I feel right. like... like they did that with the open relationship a little bit, like her kind of experimenting, but they that didn't last long enough, I don't think. For Kat to, like, really find herself fully. You know, with queer, you know, with queer relationships, like, it's great when you find, like, the one your first time out, but it doesn't always work out that way. And I just feel like this is more realistic. So, like, honestly, like, maybe Kat and Adina could end up together at the end of the day, but I kind of would like to see Kat, like, date other women, like, on a serious level, or, like, have different types of relationships with other women, Outside of Adina, like, you know, th- not just, like, sexual relationships, but, like, serious, monogamous relationships. Or polyamorous relationships. I don't even know why I said monogamous specifically. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'd like to see her kind of just branch out and do her own thing. We shall say. Although, let me tell you, like, there was a segment of the Katina fandom on Twitter who has been, like, you know, looking at, like, set photos and stuff like that, and noticing that Nicole Boucherie, who plays Adina, has not been on set for the majority of the season. They only have, like, one solitary photo of her, and everybody's like, where is she? That is upsetting. But, like, honestly, like, I I understand, like, the important role that Adina, like, plays for lots of queer women, just queer Muslim women specifically, but at the end of the day, she still is a plot device for Kat. She's helping to move Kat's story along. Right. I-, I love her. I love her to death. But at the end of the day, Kat is still the star of the show. And as sad as it sounds, like, you know, Adina is like, you know, sh- she's met her purpose at this current point right now. Right. I agree. I completely agree. I mean, it's still, like, disappointing just on a I like her character level. But I think if she comes on season, when she shows up in season three, it probably is because Kat, you know, has to face that part of her life or something, you know. It still will be for Kat. We won't just start following Adina as well. Mm-hmm. We'll say. Um, next season, there is a new cast member who a lot of people are theorizing is going to be her new girlfriend. And I feel like I need to look her up now because I want to give her proper credit. Yep, yep, we should do that. Oh, the actress's name is Alexis Floyd. No information has been revealed about her yet, but there was one um, particular scene where 
um, her and Kat are together, like, just talking to each other. So a lot of people are theorizing that's going to be Kat's new girlfriends. And it is a black woman, so I love that there's another woman of color on the show as well. Woo! Yeah. Wow, I'm I'm significantly more excited now. (laughs) Okay. Yay! (laughs) So I am excited to see, like, you know, two queer black women at the center of the show. I feel like that's going to be exciting as well. Again, I I love Adina. She's very important, but... Her role was different, and was used. And who knows? She could come back. She could come back. So I'm not holding out hope. So, you know, all of you Kazina shippers, don't lose hope. Don't give up on the show. The storyline just has to go in this direction. I trust the writers with what they have plans. Yep, stick with it. A lot of people are talking about giving up on the show because of Noah Zena. I'm like, oh my god, stop. Like, just keep watching. You never know what could happen. Yeah, stick around. So, Cat's storyline pretty much ends when... They're all at the party together, and Kat finds out that Dina's not coming, and she needs time to think. Yeah. It's not looking too good. It's not. But honestly, I mean, the biggest thing is just that they're not compatible. I mean, they both want different things within their relationship, and neither are wrong for wanting those things. They just aren't necessarily meant to be together. That's all. We'll say. I'm excited. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Jane. Yeah. So, this is my favorite trope, where... A wonderful young woman wants to have children eventually sometime in her life, and then she ends up getting approached by this really hot doctor that she is seeing and says, hey, let's become domestic partners, and then you can freeze your eggs at my clinic for free. And then she's like, oh, you know what? I'll consider it. But then at the same time, this other hot guy who she used to be seeing a long time ago says, oh, hey, I want to help pay to freeze your eggs. So I'm going to give you this carton of eggs, and then I am going to kiss you, and then I'm going to give you a difficult decision to make i'm just saying that's my favorite trope of all time uh, it's it's so common seriously though jane what are you doing like how are how is this happening <laughs> you know, not that jane's not wonderful but i mean to the level both of the men are going i'm like damn good for you girl <laughs> One of the things I want to, I'm pretty sure I just summed up the entire plot line, like, right that and there. So I guess we don't have to do scene by scene, do we? We really don't. <laughs> what can I say? I can be concise when I want to be. <laughs> so, one of the things I really loved about the scene where Pinstripe approached Jane with um, a carton of eggs. Yes! And it's like, I, and, I, and I remember this vividly, Dan Janots, the actor who plays Pinstripe, he posted a tweet, like, the same night the finale aired, and he said that, like, there, there were a lot of conversations in the writer's room about how, like, they wanted that kiss between Jane and Pinstripe to be a surprise, but they also didn't want it to be unwanted. Because you know how, like, in romance movies, like, you know, you always see, like, the guy grab the girl out of nowhere and just kiss her? It's portrayed as the most romantic thing in the world, but... At the same time, like, that girl doesn't necessarily want it, you know? So they actually had a lot of conversations to make it look like this is consensual. Oh, right on. Yeah, even Dan Janot said consent is very important in this instance. Because, you know, you even see it in the scene, too, himself. Like, you know, you see he's, like, sitting next to Jane, and he starts to lean in. Like, he leans in very slowly, and it looks, and he's, like, looking at her, and it's, like, saying, like, hey, do you want this? And she's not pulling away at all. Right. And so he just leans in. So it's, like, a little bit of both. It's doing that whole romance a gesture that you see in rom-coms and everything like that but you also are saying like hey like your consent is important to me so i'm gonna like make sure that you do want this right so i enjoyed it yeah i thought it was a very very sweet gesture and he definitely thought a lot about it and wanted to do it right so i thought it was you know it was cute i think pinstripe is growing on me (laughs) oh 
I gotta say, like, you know, this new leaf that he's starting to start to grow on me, so as much as I want him to be a polyamorous icon. Yeah, but like you said, this works for Jane's development. Like, yes! For, um, for Adina. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know. But, well, keep going, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't have anything else to say about, like, this particular yeah, storyline. <laughs> Yeah, we can move on. <laughs> but um, Jane ends up talking to Kat and Sutton over Skype and tells them about like what happens. And Kat says like, "Oh, I have airline miles. Would you like to? <laughs> would you like to come to Paris and join us?" And Jane's like, "Okay." And one of my favorite scenes of all time on this show. I say that about a lot of scenes, <laughs> but when um, Kat is just telling Jane like, "Oh, I have a ton of airline miles," and then Sutton's like, "And I slept with a pilot once." And then Kat's like, "How does that help us?" And then Sutton's like, "It doesn't." I just remembered and wanted to share. He let me wear his hat. I still have it. <laughs> and I gotta say, I do stuff like that all the time, and I'm like, oh, I just, I just thought of it, and I just wanted to share. Yeah, I do that too. <laughs> like, I don't know, I just I just wanted to be a part of this with you, and that that's my connection, so. Yeah. Or when Jane uh, w- was in the fertility clinic, I guess, I don't, I'm not exactly sure what the term is, when she was at the doctor's office. Yeah. And um, Sutton was like, well, you're the youngest one here by far. Like, she says it out out loud in front of all the other women. (laughs) You all look at her like, excuse me? And then they all get the petty fours and just stuff them in the purse. Oh my god, all the macaroons. Oh, it's macaroons, not petty fours. My bad. They they dropped the whole tray in there. Because, you know, basically they were just saying, like, um, no, this is too fucking expensive for Jane to be paying this much out of pocket, because... It was $700 just to see the doctor. Yeah. That's not even including treatment. Exactly. That's just a consultation. Because Stafford doesn't pay for fertility treatments, yet they'll pay for Viagra. I was thinking about this, and I wonder if they pay for... If you wanted to, like, freeze your sperm. Can you freeze your sperm? Yeah, like, if you're a cancer patient... Well... Don't they do that in Jane the Virgin? You can't freeze sperm. You can freeze eggs. Can you freeze sperm? I don't know. That's what Raphael does in Jane the Virgin. He freezes sperm? I don't remember that. Well, how else does Petra get pregnant? (gasps) Oh, I remember that now. Okay. They froze it? Well, I mean, I assume it's frozen or (laughs) some type of... I'm like, does it still work? I don't even know. Oh my god, I'm Googling it. (laughs) We're getting a lot of little science lessons in this episode. How much does it cost to freeze sperm? <laughs> okay, well, the fact that that's, like, coming up on Google, that means something right there. <laughs> that you actually can do it. Yeah, and apparently you can do it for less than a grand. Okay. All right, well, okay, you can freeze sperm. Good to know. I mean, if I ever plan to have children, which I don't, so. Yeah. But my like my question was, I wonder if they cover something like that for a man. Or if they hmm. just don't cover that in general. Yeah, they might not, because they probably think, like, oh, you still need a woman to get pregnant, and we don't pay for that. Yeah, but I mean, like, not they don't cover reproductive, like, assistance or whatever. Yeah, yeah, in I general. know. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't that, know. That was just food for thought. I was just wondering. The stupid fucking patriarchy is what this yeah. is. So in response, Jane is pretty freaking pissed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she she writes, I guess, an op-ed piece or a column 
Um, <laughs> Let's back up for a little, for a quick second, though. Did I miss something? I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I mean, not really. I just want to bring up the whole thing, how, like, um, Jade is talking to Kat and Sutton about the, her whole situation. Two men are vying for her. And then she says, WWNED, what would Nora Ephron do? And Nora Ephron wouldn't really need a man in order to decide her future. Because that's essentially what's happening. Like, you know, these two great men are coming for her and saying, like, hey, like, I can fix all of your problems. And Jane's saying, like, hey, I don't want to necessarily, like, rely on a man to fix my problems. Right. That's when she decides to write this Abed, which I will let you transition into right now. <laughs> oh, so she writes... <laughs> and thank you, Jeremy. You're so welcome. Now back to the weather. Um, <laughs> so Jane is upset about this, with the health insurance coverage, so she writes an op-ed piece essentially bashing Stafford's insurance policy and calling it sexist. Of course, she immediately goes to Jacqueline, and Jacqueline is currently we should say this now right about Jacqueline the situation yeah. she's in so it appears as though the board is looking to replace her and she learns that through Cleo yeah Cleo and Jacqueline have been at odds pretty much all season but I like that Cleo just came to Jacqueline just to tell her that just to say hey I'm just giving you a heads up this could be happening here. So I like that, you know, she still came to bat for Jacqueline a little bit here. Yeah, it kind of seemed like, uh, at the end of the day, ladies got to stick together. Yeah, exactly. It was, it was a great, like, mo- moment of just, like, women supporting women. No, you're right. That was definitely good to note. I was going to say something about that, too. <laughs> okay, cool. Because I was like, yeah, Cleo, do something cool. <laughs> the first time I actually liked Cleo the entire season. <laughs> the first time you said something we like. Yay, thanks. Only, you know, took the season finale for you to get there but um so at this point Jacqueline is feeling insecure about her position there and is afraid to make any waves um so she she reads Jane's piece and you know can appreciate it but she does let Jane know that she's not going to be able to publish it you know anytime soon if at all so Jane is left feeling pretty upset about that but nonetheless she moves on and then what and then Jacqueline ends up publishing it which I gotta say (laughs) you know I did take a screen cap of this but I'm not gonna read it because it's really long actually but in this piece Jane got very very personal she explained everything about pinstripe she didn't name pinstripe or bad but she described their the situation very candidly so all I'm saying is that this piece is going out there both of them are gonna read it and they're gonna know (laughs) that it's about them what if that happens (laughs) like season three episode one <laughs> like she returns from paris and they're like both waiting for her at her apartment or like oh. you know whatever and they're like wow what the fuck, Jane? <laughs> who's this other anonymous man in your <laughs> op-ed piece so i just found that so funny though because uh, you know my immediate thought was like she talked about she talked about everything related to ben about how ben was willing to become her domestic partner and all that stuff so i'm like okay well she definitely can't do that anymore <laughs> because now people are gonna know <laughs> yeah right <laughs> We can assume that's not going to happen at all, which, I mean, th- the whole point of this piece was for Jane to be like, oh, I don't need a man to do this. Like, what I need is, you know. A healthcare system that actually cares about me. Yeah, that's what she really needs. You know, she doesn't need a man to save her, so. But what happens next? Well, really, for Jane, it's left pretty open-ended. She receives two text messages, you know, one from Ben, one from Pinstripe. 
and she kind of just leaves them open and she's they're at the scarlet party and she's talking to cat and cat says and you can probably say this better but she says something about oh when you get good news who's the first person you want to call mm-hmm. and cat's like do you know and then jane says yeah i do and i'm sorry if this was real life cat would be like well which one <laughs> yeah right like well, bitch, who like I, I need to know. Like, I've been bugging you about this forever, and now you're just gonna leave me hanging like that? I feel like in a normal situation, it's like, okay, I want to give my friend space, because she doesn't necessarily know yet. But Jane fucking knows. Why can't you just ask me? Like, alright, like, who's it gonna be? <laughs> I'd be way too curious. But in other news, though, Richard received an email filled with a replacement list for Jacqueline. Yes, that is uh, a little scary. And he gets that, like, with Sutton in the room, and then Richard says, let's not bring this up tonight, let's make this night about us, which is, you know, that's the good thing to do. Why ruin the night, you know? Right, but can we go back real quick? So, sure. who do you think it is? <laughs> <laughs> because I've seen season three, so you don't know. Because I'm pretty sure Dan Janot is coming back in season three, and I haven't heard anything about Luca James Lee yet, so I'm pretty sure she ends up picking Pinstripe. You just had to go there with it, though. It was your gut <laughs> feeling, though. Because my gut feeling was Pinstripe. Okay. Like, immediately, when 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 Kat asked the question. Yeah. And, like, her face, Jaden's face just, like, lit up. And I was like, oh my god, she's definitely thinking about Pinstripe. Wait, why did you think that? I don't know, but I just, like, did. He just seems like, it seems like with her that a lot of the things that, I don't know, it just seems like she would, she's called him multiple times for things. And she really has, to be honest, like, that's pretty much, like, all season. Like, even when she's having difficulties with Ben, she's, like, saying, like, oh, hey, Pinstripe, like, let's meet up and do this. Like, she fe- she definitely feels, like, a sense of safety with Pinstripe. Yeah, and I feel like that kind of goes along with her reaction to Kat's question. And I feel like they developed, like, a pretty solid friendship throughout the season, too, and I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, so anyway, that's my, that's my guess going into season three. I think it's Pinstripe. But I wish it was nobody. I, I right! I am in support of her just kind of, like, doing her own thing. But Pinstripe does seem like he's in a better place emotionally. Yeah. I understand what you're saying, like, you wish it was nobody, but still, at the end of the day, yeah, she's choosing the man that makes her happiest. But still, like, you know, in the context of, like, what's going on with, like, her fertility treatments and everything, she did pick no one. That's true. You're right. So, essentially, like, you know, she's not picking the man that, you know, she thinks will complete her. She's picking the man that she legitimately wants to be with. Very true. You're right. So I, I kind of like how it played out that way. It's not like, you know, she wasn't choosing which man to save her. She was choosing like, hey, like, I can save myself, but this is the man I want by my side while I'm taking care of myself. Damn, again, Jeremy, okay. You're right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> like, damn, enough already. <laughs> We're gonna just record all of our episodes, like, after, like, 9pm now. Like, I think we got this. <laughs> so not disagreeable often. What else is there to talk about in this episode? I don't want this to end. What is this? Really, there's not much else to say. It's just 
kind of a look ahead into season three, I guess. I don't know. What did you, whatever, what, what did you think of this season in general? I mean, I think it was a lot of things that happened in it were really pivotal to them growing up. I thought that, I really thought that the season was good. There were only a couple episodes that I thought were kind of lackluster. The one that I feel about this season is I feel like there were a lot of more like standalone episodes as opposed to like season one. I, season one, I felt like it felt like a complete arc. Yeah, it definitely had a different feel than season one. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, there were storylines that continue, don't get me wrong, in season two, but at the end of the day, I always, you know, I feel like there were ten storylines that happened for each of the ten episodes, as opposed to, like, one cohesive storyline with ten chapters. Yes, okay. Again, yes. Thanks, I appreciate the validation. I think that they did a nice, had a nice balance of, like, telling everybody's story. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I find on shows where there are that many lead characters, you end up losing some of them in the process. Exactly. So, I'm excited for season three. Mm-hmm. April 9th, baby. Who would you say is the best dressed? I want to, I think I just want to go with um, Sutton in her hot pink dress with Richard. That was a hot dress. Yeah. Yeah, that was super hot. I did love that dress, actually. <laughs> <laughs> with the lace sleeves and everything yes. like mm, i love it was the lace great sleeves it, it, mm-hmm. she just looked fabulous I, I was gonna pick her actually but i ended up deciding on cats because of that delightful white suit mm, yes. with like the black lapel and everything on the red carpet i'm just like oh yo women in suits that is your thing it really is <laughs> i mean it should be everybody's it's great but still <laughs> I kind of want to wear a suit. I wonder how that would look. You should. Yeah. Try it out. Okay. I'm into this. Ooh. Will you take me suit shopping? Totally. You're very well versed. I I try to be. What can I say? You you know your way around a suit. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. I appreciate that. So, Jeremy, who was your favorite ship? Um, Do I really need to answer this? I think you do. Suttered. <laughs> oh, so surprised. It was just so beautiful. I'm like, I'm such a huge sucker for it. Like, I was 100% here for it. Yeah. That is all. Who was your favorite ship? Really, I kind of want to say Jane with herself. Oh, okay. Because I, I do feel like what you just said was like a big deal to me about Jane. <laughs> and her, um, like, her choosing somebody doesn't mean that she's dependent on them and i think yeah i think th- you're right throughout this episode throughout the whole season really i think that was kind of the overarching theme was that none of these women need anybody yeah and they kind of all end up realizing that at the end <laughs> yeah it just leads to different outcomes because of it like sutton mm-hmm. ends up being with richard because she realizes she doesn't need anybody and she doesn't need to just make a decision between being happy in her relationship or being career driven and cat realizes that she and nadina are just not compatible because of what they want or they're just too different in that they want space or one wants space and one doesn't so i mean i feel like that's pretty cut and dry but i do think cat found the confidence just throughout the season to be able to like say that to nadina that's very true. I'll say you can be deep too. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes. After nine o'clock at night, <laughs> only sometimes. Okay. <laughs> Don't remind me. <laughs> I just think that just goes to say for like any type of relationship. I feel like you're ready for a relationship when you realize you don't need one. 
And I think that's exactly, like, that's pretty much, like, what happened with Jane and Sutton. They just wanted these people by their side. And who knows what Kat will learn next season, but, you know, essentially, like, what she's learning right now. Like, do you think maybe Kat, do you think Kat needed Adina? To an extent, like, I don't want to say yes, but kind of, because I just think it was important for Kat to understand, like, what it means to be in a relationship with a woman. I don't know if it had to be Adina. Yeah, I I gotcha. Maybe Catch needs to come to that realization, too, that she doesn't necessarily need a relationship. I feel like going into next season, Kat's going to be focused more on herself. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, we'll talk about this later. Okay. You haven't seen any of the trailers for season three, have you? No. Uh, We can talk about this now. Whatever. Kat is running for city council. Oh, damn. Okay. What? That's kind of out of left field, but... <laughs> yeah! Right. Like, in the trailer, she goes to, like, volunteer for somebody's campaign, and then she ends up becoming one of the candidates. It just explained, like, in very passing in the trailers, and I'm here for it. Alright, well, we'll see how <laughs> that's about, but sure. <laughs> so, I want to present into it. Moving on, what was your favorite part? My favorite part is even though I don't necessarily agree with the advice, was between Sutton and Oliver. I did really enjoy that moment between the two of them. It was it was the most human we've seen Oliver. Not that he's very robotic or anything, but it was just nice to see him kind of talk to Sutton on a more personal level. That was my favorite part, too. Oh, oh my gosh. To piggyback off of that, did you notice that when um, Sutton returned on the red carpet, you see Oliver make eye contact with Sutton and give her a little smile and say, like, Good job, Red. Yes. He didn't say that, but I imagine that's what he was thinking. Good job, Red. Yeah, that was really, that was nice. <laughs> it was subtle, but it was nice. Exactly. So, uh, I just love their dynamic and their relationship, because I feel like sometimes, like, Oliver comes off a little bit cold. Yeah, because he's, he's just really serious, you know, he's focused on his career, and he's he's worked really hard to get where he is, so... Exactly. Second place, though, we didn't get to talk about this during the regular episode, but I have to give this a shout-out as well. Andrew! Yes. Has a ton of great moments in this episode, too. When Jane and Jacqueline are in a hallway, and then Andrew comes and interrupts, and then Andrew's like, Jacqueline, the car is outside. If we don't go now, we're going to miss our flight to Paris. So then he sort of looks at Jane. I think he has, like, some type of jealousy toward Jane, and I want to know more. That's all I'm saying. Probably because, (laughs) well, I don't know, because remember he was, like, happy Jane came back because Jacqueline took less of an interest in him. (laughs) Less of an intro. What do you mean? Like, because he was like, "Well, you've been gone. I've been like her project or whatever." No, he was. He said it was selfish for Jane to come back because without Jane there, Jacqueline was focusing more on him, and he liked. I took it the other way. Yeah, he liked being the center of attention for Jacqueline. Oh, then yeah, he's definitely he's definitely (laughs) bitter. He's got to be bitter. Yes. And then later on, Jim, Andrew sits on sits on the couch with Jacqueline. He tries to give her some advice about, like, run- I forget what it was about, but it was something about publishing the piece. I don't remember. Whatever. Moving on. Um, Andrew says, you might as well go down swimming. And then he gives her a little smile, and then Jacqueline looks at him, she's like, what the fuck? And then he says, I- I'm gonna go look for some common tea. For, for me. <laughs> that was so funny, that moment. <laughs> Capriolo, I am just saying, like, he just seals every single fucking scene. I love him so much. Give him more screen time, bold typewriters, because I need it. I need it in my life. <laughs> we all do. So, how does this episode inspire you to live your bold type life? 
Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, I really think that Jane is the biggest influence for me in this because she really does iterate the fact that you don't need anybody to be able to accomplish what you want. Yeah. And it's okay to, you know, want to share in those things, but you don't need them. Exactly. So, I like that. Basically just, you know, women empowerment. What about you? Um, pretty much the same thing. Like, you know, or as Oliver said, like, don't give up on love. Because I feel like I've actually hit that, like, you know, sort of place in my life, too, where I feel like I don't necessarily need a relationship. But, you know, if somebody comes into my life organically, then, you know, maybe I should let them in and stop trying to, like, you know, put my walls up. Yeah, that would be great, Jeremy. Thanks, Sam. You're so welcome. (laughs) This is not talking about my personal life at all right now. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. So, this was a good episode. Yeah. So, should we we wrap this shit up? Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) Let's wrap this shit up. You can follow The Bold Talk on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Bold Talk. And if you love us, please leave us a review on iTunes. That's the easiest way to support us. Help other fans of The Bold Type find us. And maybe the more reviews we get, maybe we can actually record live from Paris one day. We can dream. You can also feel free to email us at theboldtalk at gmail.com if you have a question or comments. I'm Sam Saff. You can follow me on Twitter at samsaff3 or on Instagram at sammaymarie3. That's S-A-M-M-A-Y-M-A-R-I-E-3. That's the first time you ever um, sent your handles correctly. Good job. I got it right at one take, everyone. Yay! <laughs> I did it! <laughs> it only took 11 tries. <laughs> I will get this in one take. I am Jeremy Rodriguez. <laughs> and you can follow me on Twitter at Rodriguez Jeremy. That's Rodriguez with a G and a Z. Jeremy is spelled J-E-R-E-M-Y. Instagram is the same with an underscore at the end of it. And we will return in just a few short weeks when we will begin discussing season three. Woo! Till then, go unleash holy hell.